Stephanie. And I'm Summer. And you're listening to Broke and Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. Hey, broken people. Today's guest is Priya Desai. She likes to refer to herself as a fifth quarter all-star, a wannabe wizard, and a master of none. But the truth is, she's a badass bitch who does amazing community work and she gets shit done. But before we get to that, Stephanie... We have a listener uh-huh. question that needs some of your anti-wisdom, all right? Now, let me okay. read this for you. I, you. You got it in the email, but I'm going to read it for the listeners, and then you can chime in. So, all right. It says, I met my last boyfriend on a dating app. We talked for a couple weeks before meeting. He was so nice and attentive, wanting to talk all the time, but sometimes it seemed like he would get upset if I couldn't be in constant contact. When it would take me a long time to check messages, which is often because I work two jobs, he would make comments about how I must be talking to other guys. If I objected, he insisted that he was just joking, that there really isn't a need to talk to other men, though, because he wanted to be the one, that he wanted to build a life with me because he could tell I'm special. And that's what I want, too, because I'm looking for marriage. Whenever I would ask why I couldn't reach him at times, though, the answer was always that it was his time with his kids and that he doesn't take calls during his visitation, which I never question. Still, after a couple weeks, he still hadn't tried to meet me. That is until I went to an event with a male friend, which I told him about so he would know why I was out of contact. Suddenly he had to meet me as soon as possible, and we did meet within a day or two. He was the ultimate gentleman, planning the date, opening my door, talking about feelings and wanting to build real relationships. I thought I had found the perfect man. We even had sex on the first date, my first time having sex in a couple years. Wow, a couple years? Mm. Because it is something I only do in a solidly committed relationship, which I believed I was in. But there were some odd things. Like, he commented that he knew I didn't have many people over because of the traffic patterns in my carpet. And after that, he wanted to see me every day. When I tell him I don't have company over on work nights because I'm tired after two jobs, he tried to convince me and insist that it wasn't about sex. It made me uncomfortable that he'd try to talk me out of saying no and that he'd make comments that I probably didn't want him over because I had other guys and that I just never make time for him. So to show him that I was really trying to make it work, I requested a day off work for that weekend because he had told me that he wanted to spend that day with me, but he couldn't just because I insist on keeping my second job. When I gave him the good news that I had the day off and we could go on the date he wanted after all, he got angry and started a huge phone argument about how inconsiderate I am for not telling him that I was requesting the day off and how I'm trying to cut into his visitation time with his kids. But he had already told me that he didn't have his kids that day. So I don't know which story is the lie. I never found out because I ended things about a week after they had officially started. Did I overreact? No, she underreacted. Um, I agree. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's really important that we, we talk about what what safe people are and what safe relationships look like. So right from the very first, right from the beginning, I could see some major, major issues. To start off with, he was talking about permanency and building a relationship, not wanting her to talk to other men because he wanted to be the one and that he wanted to build a life with her because she was special. So let's let's talk about that and why healthy people don't conduct themselves that way. What, what, what are your thoughts? Well, anytime somebody's di- trying to dive in like that when they don't know you, that's a red, mm-hmm. that's a red flag. Massive. <laughs> and it, Absolutely massive. And I think the, the attempts at constant contact is 
huge. When so ever somebody's yes. doing that, that's a that's problematic. You're you're not in middle school anymore. You're yes. grown people who have lives and you have jobs and you've got shit to do. So uh-huh. if somebody is expecting you to be able to constantly talk to them and communicate with them, that's problematic uh-huh. because one, either they are codependent and using them to fill a void within themselves that they need to just lay out, you know, step out of the relationship yes. and go take care of on their own. Uh-huh. Or Uh they're trying to control you because they're trying to keep tabs on where you're at, what you're doing, and how you're doing it, and all of that. And neither one of those are good things. In fact, um, that is actually one of the red flags that I teach a lot in my domestic violence workshops. There's a good list that um, Strong Hearts Native Helpline puts out about red flags in dating. And that's actually some of the the first things on the list are if they're moving too fast into a relationship or the showering, the compliments that with compliments that are too good to be true, like saying, you know, I want to build a life with you when I haven't even met you. Yes. (laughs) That's a problem. Absolutely. And how... Um, she must be special. How would he know? He's, he's never even been in her presence. Um, I do want to say in early on in relationships, it's really easy to step into that infatuation, which I think that everybody in, in any relationship at any age or stage of, of life should be avoiding. So if you um, if you meet somebody and you're you're starting to drop time, you know if it's a friend or a, a potential partner, regardless, if you are spending more time with them at the cost of of spending less time in other well-developed relationships, I think that that's something we all need to take note of. Mm, you if you're having you know strong feelings for somebody like that, you should be bringing them into to activities with your your circle and with your community because they need to be getting to know this person too and that usually and oftentimes is what happens in a relationship where domestic violence and controlling issues has gone amok because that isolation is key to an unhealthy relationship anytime a partner is trying to tell you that you shouldn't be talking to other people of the opposite sex run like block them, ghost them, never speak to them again. It's, <laughs> it yes, is a huge absolutely. red flag that you should never tolerate. I don't care if you're married to them. They don't have the right yes. to tell you, you can't have another male friend. Absolutely. And, but it doesn't apply exclusively to male friends. People who have um, these types of issues, people who are codependent and people who are abusive, also attempt to limit the person's time with their friends and family. That's true. And, um, and the, him, him making comments about her having a second job and not liking that is problematic, too. It's not like he's paying her bills. In fact, yeah, I, don't, absolutely. I don't ever recommend you let your partner pay your bills. You should always be able to support yourself as well. Um, just and, because financial uh, abuse is common in it is. In, in domestic violence uh, situations. And people often don't recognize that in, in a vacuum, um, uh, abuse is just rife to happen. You know, a, a woman needs to have resources. Um, and, and it doesn't apply exclusively to, to women 
in our society. True. But anytime one person is solely and exclusively responsible for the maintenance of the family, it makes that family more vulnerable, especially in, in this day and age with, with healthcare being such a massive issue and most people living a, a hand-to-mouth existence. So it's it's not something that I can, can recommend to somebody who isn't in a, a really secure financial situation, has money in, in, in the bank to cover any type of emergencies. Um, I don't see anything wrong with somebody wanting to stay home with their kids, but that doesn't mean that that woman should be dependent upon anyone in that circumstance. And I say woman because it's typically women who are in that type of vulnerable position, but in this day and age, it it happens to men as well, too. So we do need to address that. Um, That's pretty much the first paragraph, and we obviously found a lot of problems, (laughs) but I think we should go on to the second paragraph. Well, I think we've pretty much covered that, too, already. Um, So let's talk about the third. Uh, First of all, the ultimate gentleman thing. I think that's part of the problem that I have with this whole idea that we're supposed to teach our girl, you know, the whole dads take your daughters on dates so they can learn what how men are supposed to treat them. We spend so much time, exactly. We spend so much time conditioning women and girls to look at these superficial displays of affection and read into that. Because he opens your door does not mean he's a fucking gentleman, okay? It does not mean he's going to treat you right. In fact, in my experience, every single man who has done all of those things always turned out to be an abuser. <laughs> now, I, it's it's a tactic. Now, yes. I have met men who were who were gentlemen who did that, but but we need to talk about the flip side of that because an an abuser is is looking and estimating and seeing how they can earn your your affection as quickly as possible. So it's True. it's not genuine. So they are they are imitating. Right. Imitating what a they, right. Well, and in my experience, the men I the men I know who are actually gentlemen don't do all of those things. They're more low key. Uh-huh. They're more. Uh-huh. They're actually genuinely nice. So they're not going over the top for grand displays. Yes. They're actual real people. And so yeah. uh-huh. when they consistently do these things, it actually makes me question. It's like the over the top gushy posts on Facebook that everyone knows are performative and not real. It's that sort of thing. It's still this whole performance. It is a tactic to get you to to buy in as opposed to looking at what's really under the surface. But let's talk about the sex issue. She had not had sex in a couple years. And I know you and I, Stephanie, have different views on this. I am all about the casual sex as well as committed sex. Mm -hmm. I'm very sex positive. All sex is good sex as long as it's consensual. I know you tend to believe more of you want that to be within a relationship. However... serial monogamous. Right. To me, it's... it's, it's, I I hold it sacred for for a committed relationship. Well, I believe it can be sacred in all contexts. Yes, I I know. I know you do. Sex is ceremony. It's my favorite hashtag on native Twitter. Right. Right. I'll always have been and, and always will. And I think both of those are and I think both of those are very valid. 
But I do think the fact that she had not had sex in two years Uh played into this a lot because those hormones are raging and you really, your body tells you all the time, you know, we're genetically programmed to procreate. So you've got all these messages and these brain chemicals telling you to do this and it makes Uh you make different decisions. Oxytocin is a lying bitch. Okay. Uh And so I think part of that Part of that did pl- probably play into the fact that she looked past a lot of these red flags that I'm sure uh-huh. if, she, if she ended this only a week into actually, so what, three weeks post meeting him on the, the dating app, I think she saw them all the way along, but she got sidetracked because of her brain chemicals telling her to do this. And then she probably felt like she was, like she needed to try having a relationship with him because she had went and had sex with him. And she has the shame about not having sex outside of a relationship. So I think that he actually played her. He wanted her to have that oxytocin bond. Oh, of course. He knew that she had not been intimate with anyone. And he set out, you know, from planning that date and opening that door and talking about feelings and talking about that real relationship to the extent that she thought she had found the perfect man. Of course. All of it. But don't we have an op? Was part of the game for him. Oh, of course. But I, what I'm saying is I think we have an obligation to ourselves to stop advocating all responsibility onto, yes, he's playing her, but we have Uh to take responsibility and realize that if you're going to choose to be celibate, that, that is going to play into what your brain and your body's telling you about these things too and be conscious of that and factor that into your decision making. Yes. And I want to come back to one more thing. Okay. Um, because it is something I don't do until solidly in a committed relationship, which I believed I was. So she thought because of of the very fraudulent ways that he was because he, himself. Because he was telling her and they were agreeing to a relationship, yes. yes. Yes, she was believing with all of that. So I just I just want to come back to that because I think it's important. And you're right, you have to think about, about these things in, in a, a, a real way. Mm-hmm. It is difficult to sometimes go with our, with our very um, concrete mental decisions and then throw biology into play. So absolutely, that was, I believe, an issue. Um, I want to go on to the next paragraph. And this probably more than anything, um, it isn't just a a red flag, but I think it is creepy as hell that he said he knew she didn't have many people (laughs) over because of the traffic patterns and the carpet. If somebody had said that to me, I would probably really sweetly get up and and walk into the kitchen and go hide a weapon somewhere on my person. I, you should I already just, have yeah. a knife in your bra, Stephanie. Right, right. Don't I, you know I this? Know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, you know, I, I would have been clutching clutching a, a, a purse with a weapon very closely to my body because any time somebody is talking that specifically, and, and I'm not sure if the man is, is has, has uh, psychopathic or sociopathic tendencies, but... Um, that's when I recognized he has a personality disorder. That, yes, most people don't notice the traffic patterns in your car. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And she failed to pick up on that really huge red flag. 
Um, if you discuss well, because she like was that focused on them, having sex. That sounds like that's why he was in her apartment. Well, it sounds like yes. he was only mm-hmm. in her apartment once because she says after mm-hmm. that he didn't come over because she was working. So it sounds like he was there for the time they had sex, and that's when that yeah. happened. So she was right. obviously focused on something else and didn't pick up on the fact he was being creepy. Well, and he that comment probably was something he meant to kind of keep to himself, but obviously he found some comfort in the fact that she didn't have many people in the house. Probably. I mean, I'm, I'm just like, oh my goodness. Um, or I almost, you know, and I'm this... thinking about vacuuming, just, you know, realizing right. just how concerted he is and, and plotting these things out is just so incredibly concerning. At well, this and point. I feel like, and this could be my history with abusive relationships, but when I hear that, that he made the comment about the traffic patterns in the carpet, I hear an attempt to control her behavior. It's it's a mess. It's a subtle message of I'm watching what you do, uh-huh. even uh-huh. when it's not what you do directly. Things as simple as your carpet. I'm watching those, and so I will know if you have people here. So right. it's a subtle control um, tactic. Good point. Very good point. And after that, he wanted to see her every day. Right. Um, and he failed to respect her boundaries here. Um, as you know, boundaries are something that I feel extremely strongly about. Um, they make me feel safe in relationships with other people. And what I often explain to my kids and, and people that I'm counseling is that you don't go from meeting someone straight into you know that, that mile-long chasm into domestic abuse and violence. Those boundaries get scooted over a little bit every day. Constantly. And it's very... It's, it's very focused, it's very driven, and it's very intentional. He tried to talk her out of saying no. Right. He did not respect her decisions, and she was uncomfortable. And I think that we really need to, to concentrate on why we ignore those danger signals. Because no self-respecting person is going to try to talk someone out of what's important to them. The woman's got two jobs and she's tired. In a healthy relationship, he's going to say something like, you know, we've been on the phone for a while. I need to let you get to bed. I don't want you to be tired tomorrow. Um, to me, that's that's healthy. Not, um, I need to come over and spend time with you out of out of selfishness. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Well, I feel like it's just another mechanism of control and keeping up with what she's doing um uh-huh. and of course like like you said pushing those boundaries because it always starts with the simple boundaries and and I think in a lot of ways most women are conditioned in this country to be key- peacekeepers and to feel like we don't aren't entitled to our own solid boundaries and so we are uh-huh. so accustomed to having those boundaries pushed by everyone and everything all the time that uh-huh. a lot of times we don't even see that yes. when it's happening So I know I didn't for years. And so that's something I've been working on in the last few years is anytime somebody tries to talk me out of those boundaries, it's a hard line. It's never going to happen. Just on principle. And I've noticed a lot of men will try to talk, even men that aren't necessarily bad people or, or have malicious intent. But I think it's because in this country, men are conditioned to that 
others are to, make to demands. and mm-hmm. right and that of women mm-hmm. and that others are to accommodate that i mean i know yes. I, I have that issue even in the professional context you know i said okay, i wouldn't to, say others i would say women are conditioned because that same dynamic does does not exist in in male male relationships even with co-workers um you know uh, if there's a, a male boss um he's he's going to make more demands on his employees that are female than he does those who are male it is a part of the patriarchal dominant society and culture right. in the united states that that needs to be dealt with True. um if if men were having babies in in this country i can promise <laughs> you that there would be paid paternal leave however we don't have that same mentality it's not as important we need men to advocate for women um and i want to go down to that bottom part he said he wanted to spend that day with me but couldn't because i insist on a second job that also is a huge red flag that language insisting on the second job nowhere in here does she discuss why she has a second job and that's good because it's not important and it's not relevant she wants that second job because that's how she chooses to live her life and he has zero business whatsoever trying to talk her out of it maybe she's trying to pay off her student loans maybe she's providing for a family member maybe she just wants to live um, a certain lifestyle that she couldn't afford on one job it's not relevant it's her choice it's her decision and nowhere should he come into play on that at this time keep in mind they haven't even known one another for a month that's really disturbing uh, i agree I, honestly i don't think it, he should have the right to make that <laughs> that decision that or mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or to question or have any comment on it even if they've been together for a year or two or ten that's her Absolutely. decision as an adult you you don't get to control those decisions for other people now if they're if they are together and they have a committed relationship long term and they start talking about you know we can't go on vacations or you know we want to to plan a family or something else these are these are decisions that could be made jointly but there is nothing joint going on here and I don't believe um, that is really a deci- I don't believe that it is a decision to be made jointly I think you can discuss mm-hmm. well these are the factors you know and this is what we can do within the within the variables that we have to work with right here but i think that a person's you know their jobs their independence Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. strictly theirs and i don't think that their partner no matter how long they've been together has the right to say you need to quit that job i or to pressure them or to even ask them to yes if they want to to quit that job and i think we should um Perhaps another time, talk about the different ways of, of handling money and, and things along those lines, because I, I think it is um, an understandable decision when people choose to spend the first three years of, of a child's life at home, but how, how they're going to manage that and respect somebody's autonomy and their financial well-being, those are the types of things that, that need to be discussed. I always advocate for a his and a hers and an ours bank account, uh, regardless as to whether or not one or both are working. Um, Definitely. A woman needs to have, and a male needs to have the, the means to, to leave in a relationship. Um, I, I would not give up a job or employment if, if I didn't have $10,000 sitting in a bank account that, that exclusively belonged to me. And you still plan, and if you choose to stay home, which I did choose to stay home at certain points um, when I had small children, but you still need to be doing things that are going to continue to add to your resume because you may need to enter the workforce at some point. 
and you yes. do not want to be doing so with a block of time where you don't mm-hmm. have anything because it yes. makes it extremely difficult to get hired after the fact. It does. And, you know, even, I have to point out, even the federal government recognizes this, you know, in, in a, um, a, a military couple, for, for example, you know, and that, of course, is a, is a different situation, but where, where the woman has to continually pick up and move and pick up and move, she's given an interest into his retirement because they recognize the importance of continuity and how it affects a woman's career or a male's career for that matter. It's, um, it's really important as well that she has time with other adults or that he has time with other adults. Um, isolation is always a bad thing is what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, we're all the way down to the, the last paragraph. I have a few things highlighted here. Um, when I gave him the good news that I had the day off, he got angry and started a huge phone argument about how inconsiderate I was for not telling him that I was requesting a day off. Um, this is straight up gaslighting right here. Yes. And I think we need to talk about what gaslighting is and does. Would you like to comment on that? Um, I'll let you go ahead. We're about 25 minutes in, so we need to do this. Let's kind of run through this pretty quickly. So go ahead. Okay, so so and he insisted that he wanted to spend that time with her because he had uh, because she had that second job, and then when she made that happen, he started an ang- argument. He got angry, um, and he started blaming her about how she was cutting into his visitation time. But he was clearly lying because he had already told her that he didn't have those kids, and that right there is is. Just there isn't a clear-cut better example of what gaslighting is and does. Um, He's trying to convince her that the reality and that the narrative is the exact opposite of what it is. Oh, yeah. They flip it on you and try to make it about you, and they're the victim here, and you're overreacting, and you're being unreasonable, mm -hmm. and this is all your fault. And and it's a tactic that's extremely common. Yes. So, um, and I think we can, we can end on that. I want to go back to, did I overreact? She absolutely did not. In fact, uh, if anything, I wish that she had cut things off before she even met him. So in the future, if you're talking about meeting somebody and, um, they're talking about building a life with you because you're, you're special and making jokes about meeting other guys, you, you should already be noticing, um, that these are unhealthy patterns and I wish Just block and move prior, on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I wish she had done that. But there was a lesson learned and I hopefully. think we can applaud that. Yes. yes hopefully. So. Just block them and move on. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Plenty of fish. Absolutely. I know you don't get that, but uh, plenty, plenty of fish is, is a dating site. <laughs> there are plenty of excellent fish out there, and I just want to find one. <laughs> well, the, the play on words is that P, plenty of fish or POF is a dating site. So I know you don't I, do I those. I got it. I so. got it, but I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you about my serial monogamy. Yes. Here, so. Which, you All know, right. I've done monogamy. It's fine. I don't have a problem with that. I just, I mean, any, I just don't think a man exists that can deal with me full time because I mean, who wants somebody as busy as me with as much as I have to do in a herd of children? Like I'm going to question what's wrong with him. Let's be honest. Um, all right. So let's, mo- <laughs> so let's move on to our amazing guests. So tell us about yourself, Priya. So 
I'm what they would call an, an ABCD, which is an American born confused Desi. <laughs> what does that mean? That means like, you know, like you're, I, I guess it's a spectrum for people. Like for me, I was really into like the cultural stuff until I hit about like a certain age. And I, mm-hmm. you know, there were, I just, there were those people who were my crowd, at least the ones locally here anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I bonded with other people who were, you know, out of the, outside of the state, but like, I don't know if I just didn't necessarily connect to the group of girls that I grew up with. So, like, I started, like, shedding that identity as oh, much as I, I could, you know? And so, like, it really didn't start, I really didn't start, like, realizing how bad that was, like, how steeped, internalized that was, right? Right. Because that's, like, that's, like, really internalized sh- like, shit. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I will frequently curse tonight. It's okay. fine. Don't okay. worry about it. <laughs> yeah. There will be a not safe for work on tag on this. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it made me think, like, your questions that you kind of threw at me yesterday. I was like, I was really thinking about, like, culture played a big deal in that. Yes. That's how, that actually came from, that's how I do my um, domestic violence and sexual assault workshops now. Yeah. Because I want to start moving from, we talk about statistics a lot. We talk about intervention, crisis management. But we need to start shifting conversations before that. And right. culture is a huge thing. I'm a preacher's kid. Three generations worth. A lot of shaming. A lot of taboo. A lot of silence about these issues. And right. So that's why those are that's why those are the questions that I always have is, you know, like first how um, what were you taught about sex and how? Oh, definitely. So <laughs> where I, are you originally from? Okay. I, I was born here in Oklahoma. Uh, I have two sisters. I was thinking you were from another state. Yeah. No, where did I get that My sisters from? are were from, te- they were born in Texas. Maybe so. that's why I got confused. Yeah. Sisters. Yeah. So, um, I was born in a small town in Buffalo, Oklahoma, um, which is like 30 minutes or so from the Kansas border. It, the time varies a little bit, but, um, we stayed there until about 1990-ish, and then I remember moving to the city when I was five. So, like, oh. right in kindergarten stage, like, we moved to the city. There was just... It's a big difference, though, right? <laughs> Tiny town to a yeah, city. Yeah, no, it was a bit of a <laughs> culture shock for me. Yeah. It was, like, really... I was kind of shy, and you know, when I went into class because right. I didn't know, like... You know, I, I think what happened was we had, mid, we had moved mid-year, so... We had so I started kindergarten in Buffalo, but I finished out in Oklahoma City. Oh wow! Yeah, because we we had moved in between. Right, so that's a big, big shift. Thing. And you're talking about a small classroom to like you know not not like the classrooms are packed now, like they're over. Right. Yeah, they're they're like stuffed apparently, and it, it just it was overwhelming for me. So like at first I was I'm still very shy by nature, like. I'll see people, I'll, I'll be like, hey, but I'm like, it It takes a lot for me to come out of my shell, so, um, but yeah, sorry. I, I, Go ahead. No, but, um, so when we moved to the city, I would say, like, the stuff that I learned about sex, it was all from, like, friends and, like, TV and movies and, like, it was weird because my mom told me about, you know, she told me what to expect when I got my period, you know, that's, okay. that, that was, that was fine, that was a great conversation. Um, I felt like it went great anyway. <laughs> um, I guess I didn't freak out as much as I thought I did. Okay. Um, but you know, it, growing up, it was like, I got all my information from like school and like friends and you know, did you get good information from school? Cause some schools aren't, aren't good. <laughs> and, uh, what I remember a set of like a really, I work in like reproductive right. reproductive health and rights. And so like, it made me, th- it, that kind of got me steeped into that, right? Because I was like, I didn't have that information. I want somebody else yes. to have that information. Like, it was, it, 
it's still the idea of talking to my parents about sex still weirds me <laughs> out because I don't, I don't know. It's just, that's just something weird that I need to get over and I'm sure therapy would do wonders and I... <laughs> I love therapy. Yeah, right? <laughs> therapy does. A lot. <laughs> yeah, it does, right? And so so it was weird. Like we didn't really talk about talk about sex. So it was just kind of ignored. Yeah. It was just kind of like, oh, it's there, but we're not gonna talk about it. You know, like it, you know what happened I, if the scenes came on TV where they the you know hide your eyes kind was, of parents it, or anything like that? You know, I think at first they were like that, but then they were like, it's they're gonna start seeing this. You know, like right. At some point, you just got to let it happen. It's still awkward when I see, like, a sex scene with my parents at a movie. I'm like, okay, this is so awkward for me. I don't know why. I got to break through that soon because I think that's part of the shame, right? Part right. of the shame of not talking about it. I'm very curi- curious about the dominatrix. I wouldn't mind trying to be one. <laughs> right? I'm like, who, who teaches this shit? Can, like, can There's like... got to be a, w- a place, right? Is there somebody who, like, gives dom classes? <laughs> I, surely there is. There has to be. Surely, right? Like, we have, like, the pole the pole classes now. Like, why really can't we have... I do that. I do, too. Fun. I don't know. I'm I'm always, like, mystified when I, when I watch people on the pole. I'm like, y'all are so fucking good. I'm so, I, I, I need to lose a lot of weight before I can do any of that again. I know, right? I'm like, I don't want to throw my back. There's, there's no way I can hold myself up with just my upper body strength these days. My upper body strength is shit right now. Yeah, right? But like, I had to carry this heavy box for pride, and man, I'm feeling it. Like, I felt it Sunday, today, and I'm like, I don't lift weights that often. How did pride go? I didn't get to go this year, and I never can make a Sunday with the parade because there's always too many people. Right. But last year, I made it on Saturday because Saturday morning, it's a lot less That's when I tabled. I tabled on Saturday. I tabled on Saturday from about 2 to 5. Okay. Um, Super hot, but I just love seeing people at pride. Like, it makes me so happy because, like, this is, like, the one time of year they feel, like, free to be who they really are, you know, and I feel like they should be able to do that every day. Which is kind of the point of pride, right? Right, yeah, you know, celebrating that. So I loved, I loved everything I saw. There were political candidates were there. Oh, okay, good. Talking to folks. It was great. Um, We had a lot of people come to our table because we had a little handout about consent and then um, also about myths about abortion. So, oh, excellent. Yeah, so a lot of people took those, so I was very pleased with that. You guys give handouts about consent. Do you guys do anything else as far as public education about consent? Um, <clears throat> pardon me. We actually, we had this really rad intern um, this session, and she this was actually her second semester with us. Okay. And she we put her in charge of, we had this um, copy of this book that Violet Rush had made and it was called How to Get an Abortion in Oklahoma. And it specifically outlines like, you know, places to go, um, what you need to, what you need to have with you. Um, you know, like, okay. you know, like if you need, if you need support from the Roe Fund, which is the local uh, abortion fund here in Oklahoma, then there's information to that. There's information to different clinics in the area. So how many clinics are there that would be accessible? I want to see. Let's see. Dr. Burroughs, Planned Parenthood, Trust Women, Ripro Services in Tulsa. I'd say we have four. Something tells me five, but I'm leaning towards four. That seems like such a small number for an entire state. Right? And they're all like almost like diagonally spread across the state, if that makes sense. Like there's one in Tulsa, there's one in Norman, and there's two in Oklahoma City. So if you're from like where I'm from, you Mm -hmm. have to travel probably to... I guess that would make probably Tulsa or Dallas the closest. Yeah. 
Um, and so, so you're talking a matter of hours of travel. When I say yeah, time yeah. matters during yeah. the, like it absolutely does because once people hit the gestation, ju- I'm sorry, the gestational limit here, which is what? which is 21, 21.6 weeks, I believe. Okay. Um, but like, it's even less than that. Like if you include, you know, when you last had your period or <laughs> those, those two weeks that they count that yeah. are nothing. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it, it's very, um, a lot of people get pushed past that gestational limit and they have to go either to New Mexico or to Texas or, and Texas has just as many restrictions as we do. If we, we have probably similar restrictions, if anything, Texas, they, don't they have a waiting period like mm-hmm. between the time you're seen and the time the procedure can be done? Does Oklahoma have that? Uh, yeah, we do have a waiting period. It's a 72 hour waiting period. Where uh, there is actually a group um, called the Center for Reproductive Rights that is uh, filing. Um, they're they're actually doing our legal counsel for that. They're challenging that. Okay. Uh, Seventy-two hour waiting period. So um, we're waiting to see what's coming down the pipe and um, kind of prepare, do what we can to show support, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Seventy-two hours is a long time when you have to travel so far. And time just to get is to a of, clinic. Yeah. And then you have your outer limit. Mm-hmm. Travel, childcare, yeah, cost to travel. Anything you know. to make it more difficult. Yeah. But there's this really oh my gosh, it's so freaking awesome. And there's this group in Texas and it's like providers it's advocates it's um it's legal like it's a whole group of like different organizations doing different kinds of work in the abortion field Mm -hmm. um and they came together and they're filing a lawsuit against the state of texas for all for like decades worth of restrictions that have been passed and this is like several organizations i'm talking probably more than like four or five and these are like hard hitters i'm pretty sure it's like probably more like 10 to 12 people so this was the shotgun approach to attacking the regulations mm-hmm. fair enough yeah um i can respect that from a legal standpoint <laughs> <laughs> right you throw all the arguments out there and see what happens yeah see what sticks right, That's right. um so uh, we're we're putting up a fight and i'm hoping oklahoma does something similar because we have I actually have a spreadsheet, and I should you not, it's 10 pages from since 2004, all of the restrictions that have passed, um, or no, have been introduced oh and or have been passed. Every session, some of the bills that are introduced, oh, and it's you just know, a nightmare. <laughs> it is. It is, and it was so funny because there was, there was one thing that just happened to be a fluke. We had talked with someone from The Intercept. Um, there was this girl that was doing kind of had contacted us and was like yeah can you tell me what's going on with this particular bill and so we gave her all of our info and our intel you know and then so she contacts the bill author and this was at the time that you had to get a permission you had to get permission from your spouse or your which is ridiculous right which is like are you sorry your input ended with your ejaculation at this point i'm the one risking my life here you get no say right no absolutely absolutely (laughs) and she that's when offended when you tell them that incidentally (laughs) yeah right seriously though but like she got it out of him what did he say i can't remember exactly what it was but it was something to affect like um Where's my phone? <laughs> I look this up. Uh, yeah. No, it was <laughs> we really need a quote. It was really stupid. Um, <laughs> of course it was. He introduced the bill, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. No, and I'm, I don't know why I'm blanking out on it right now because I usually remember this off the top of my head. Um, okay, so it was Justin Humphreys. Is he the one who called us hosts? Yes. 
That's what it was. Which it was the host thing. Feel like it was, so you're saying it's the parasite? Yes, I can totally work with this argument. No, that that was what it was. I remember that I tweeted about that forever. I'm like, I'm a host. Huh? I, I, right? Like that was the I was, and she pulled that out. You know, women are just hosts, and I can't believe I I can't believe I forgot that. that that's kind of tells you like it's so bad. I can't remember what someone said because everyone says shitty things about this all the time. When I used the word host, I did not mean to degrade women. Really, Justin, what did you mean to do? (laughs) (laughs) And sadly, he's up for election, and he's probably going to win his race. So let's hope there's a challenger in that district. He also said, ignorant and stupid won't get you very far with me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, no, he's a special. He's 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 a special. That's one of uh, Jesus' special little children. Well, that's how he gets elected. Yeah. You know, the family values candidates. I've decided anybody who uses the word, the phrase family values Have, or tells me their religion, I don't care what it is. If they tell me their religion in their campaign, I will not vote for them. Yeah. No. I was, don't capitalize off the sacred with me. It's right. It's work. Yeah. <laughs> Hell no. No, but the, the more family values they are, the, the more the sauciest shit that they have in their little closet. But the more, the Bible Belt will vote for them every time, no matter what they keep doing when they're in office. I mean, my God, like, there's, this is awful. Like, I don't understand why people keep voting for someone like, especially if someone is telling you that this person did these horrible things. But, but Jesus told them to vote for yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the logic. You know, it's like, okay, why even, why even try? I've had this conversation with many people I know and that's literally what they'll tell me is, yeah I will cheat I will vote for the one I know praise I'm like wow yeah come great. on people get it together great <laughs> like I don't care who they pray to yeah. <laughs> if they think I'm a host who doesn't have a right to decide what ha- what's happening to me I don't right yeah I don't really I'm not really interested but thanks isn't that shit crazy? I just... Yeah. I can't believe she got that out of him. I was like, you know, because we told her we were like, this is the author, you know, this. I think we even gave her the phone number and she called and we saw that shit on the intercept. We were like, we tipped her off. Well, obviously he didn't think that what he was saying was, was problematic, problematic at all. <laughs> right? Which makes you wonder what's still inside his head that he never said out loud. Right. Now that's a scary fucking right? thought. It is. But... It is the Bible Belt, so. <laughs> and I, I know I upset people when I say that because I pop that off a lot. But, no, I do too. But, you know, it's true. We are the fucking Bible Belt. We're yes. the more, we'll, we'll hate you all day long. But we'll thank you, bless your heart. Yeah. And we'll pray for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We'll pray wow. for you. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Keep them. I don't want them. <laughs> I'm a preacher's kid, so. Oh my god! I have lots, lots of lots of Jesus jokes that my family doesn't appreciate. I know some dead baby jokes, but that's not. Oh, that's not appropriate. <laughs> I'd imagine not many people laugh at those. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm just a wrong person. That's not funny at all. I should be ashamed. But we're not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. We're not ashamed of ourselves. Yeah, but that's kind of the point of yeah. the podcast right right that's what it, that's kind of our our tagline is we'll talk about real life yeah let's just get honest about shit yeah why do we have to gloss over things and you know especially in the bible belt you know it's always everything's the backwards compliments instead of just being honest and yeah it's, 
we're not going to fix shit if we can't even be honest with ourselves about what's wrong with us. Right. Or what's wrong with our communities or what we need to do. We're just going to keep making it worse. Yeah. We're just going to keep feeding the, feeding the monster. Right. So, I'm... This could go either way. People could love it. Yeah. Or mm, the churches could come after me with pitchforks and torches. Whatever. Yeah. Either way, it's fine. Yeah. No <laughs> need to worry about them. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. So when you tell people that you work in, um, what do you tell people you work in? It's women's reproductive rights. Is that the right phrase? Health and rights. Yeah. So I do a lot of reproductive health and rights work with um, the Oklahoma Coalition for Reproductive Justice. So that's, we're primarily an advocacy organization that tracks about 30 to 50 bills um, each legislative session. The topics that kind of fall under the umbrella of what reproductive justice is, um, which is, you know, making sure that, you know, everyone has a everyone has a say in how their quality life is played out you know um so it's really important that i think that we track different kind of topics because sometimes things get lost in the weeds and so we we do a pretty good job of like general tracking you know everything from lgbtq rights uh birth control access to contraception uh comprehensive sex ed those are like topics that we like (laughs) to track right that's another one that's a big issue in oklahoma right huge issue and it's you know, it's not for lack of trying. God bless it. There are, like, several people who have tried to put forward some kind of either consent education or, um, you know, medically accurate comprehensive sex ed. And they just... I support both of those. Yeah, right? I do, too. I always support both of those. And it just it makes me sad that these bills have such a hard time going through the process. To me, it's a... It's it seems a, like a no-brainer, but obviously it's not in the Bible Belt. Right. Which just kind of makes you, like, green your teeth. You right. Know, and and the consent back. issue, especially, you know, the sex ed, okay, I kind of understand where they're coming from. I think it's illogical and irrational. But I get, I understand their thought process. Yeah. I should be the one to teach my kid about sex. I'm like, well, if you did a better job, job. we wouldn't have the statistics we do in the state. But okay. Right. I can at least track your thought process there. But the opposition to consent education, I I can't wrap my head around. That. Yeah, no, I can't wrap my head around that one either. Because, like, you can teach them as young as when they're in kindergarten. Like, there's basic ways. Basic boundaries. Right. Yes, and I, I don't understand why. I, I mean, it's as simple as, you know, we have every school has to have an anti-bullying policy. Right. And, of course, you know... You're not supposed to touch people without their consent. You know, we've got the sexual harassment policies. We've got all of this. And we're holding children accountable for violating policies they've never been taught. Right. Because they haven't been getting the basic consent teachings young. Right. And then they're like, what did I do? Yeah. We can't. We can't, like, punish them and then, you know, and not explain to them what. Right. Whereas if they had been taught basic boundaries. (laughs) They may not have ever done that. And we can't wait until they're teenagers. Right. No. That's too late, in my opinion. I think you need to start consent young, very young. And it's a protection for them. Right. Um, I hear that from a lot of um, child sexual abuse survivors. Right. Was they just simply weren't taught boundaries and consent. Like, they weren't taught that they're allowed to say no No. when something's happening that they don't want to happen. Right. And so if it just seems like a no-brainer that we should be teaching this to all children. Right. But apparently not. 
<laughs> Apparently some people have a different... And I don't know. I wish somebody... I, I need to find somebody who can articulate this to me. I've asked several people. None of them can give me a reason why. Right. Other than... You're trying to teach sex to my five-year-old. I'm like, no. no. Consent isn't just sex. Sex, right. But for that matter, you need to teach them. If somebody's trying to do this to you, right. you can say no. You can go tell somebody. You can, you know, right. you don't Take... have to go along with this. Or, you know, if it happens, it's okay to tell somebody. Yeah. I don't know. Why, why are some things that are... <laughs> I don't understand, and I'm and I'm I think it's the rubbing my forehead when I shame. say this. I think it's that we've been so conditioned with shame about so many of these things that we pretend we like to pretend they don't exist and they aren't issues. We don't empower people to ask questions. Yes, and like, I'm sure that that one question that that one person has will answer ten other people's question. That's probably true. You know, so mm-hmm. like, it's a matter of like encouraging someone to ask that question, and we don't do that. Like you said, it's very. It's very shameful. We made it to be so shameful to be like, let's talk about this, you know? Yes. I've been, um, this year, I decided at the beginning of the year, this was going to be my year of new experiences. Yeah. And I'm making a concerted effort to make people uncomfortable by pushing them and talking about things that I can tell they do not want to talk about. Not painful or triggering things, but like my family who's very... Um, they prefer they're very avoidant so yeah. anything that's uncomfortable they like to avoid and yeah. like, so I will deliberately talk to them about relationships or, yeah. or things like you know that that they I know they aren't terribly comfortable with and that are avoiding and, right and and so things like that or I'll talk to people about sex mm-hmm. that I know have a lot of shame about it just to kind of like see it's okay I you didn't burst myself. into flames right it's fine I'm still I'm like, I'm 32 years old and I'm still unlearning that shit like oh yeah you know what I mean like it, it, sometimes like someone will start dancing and I'll be like oh my god would I be dancing like that's like it's not <laughs> about me that that's yeah. that's my that's my burden to carry that's I shouldn't right. be pushing putting that on someone else right. you know what I mean like why don't you lighten up and do what she's doing maybe you'll feel a lot better too <laughs> or even if we can just accept I don't do I that's not my thing but right. it's okay if that's what they want to do that's kind of how I feel about sports I don't care about it but if you like it that's fine that's your thing that's, that's your okay thing. go do that as long as you're not hurting anybody I'm fine the only thing that really chaps my ass about the athletic thing is the what? Sooners the Sooners <laughs> the name the name yes. that chaps my ass more than anything I'm just like oh like it makes that's the one thing that drives me nuts but outside of that I don't, I don't give a fuck well you know I just think that's a horrible, horrible. We're still merciless Indian savages. It is what it is. <laughs> My gosh. And they make t-shirts that say that. I'm going to get one and start wearing it every time I go to meet a uh, politician, I think. Yeah, right. That's what I'm going to start doing. You totally should. <laughs> yes. I'm The only thing that may, gives me reservation about doing that is I'm afraid of how many are not going to understand the reference. And then I'm going to need medication because I'm going to really understand the devastating right. state that our politics is in. Right. And I'm just going to be like, no, I yeah. can't do this. Right. Your English is so good, Priya. That, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I have heard that shit before. Oh, wow. But like, bitch, I was born here. <laughs> in their defense, you don't speak like an Oki either. No. You don't have the draw. <laughs> I do like to say y'all a lot, though. Oh, I do, too. And folks. Y'all and folks. I sound so country sometimes. 
I know. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? Like, who are you and what have you done with Priya? <laughs> so how... So you really do hear that a lot, that you're... Oh, they oh. just assume you weren't born here? Is mm-hmm. that... Yeah. Do they play the what are you game? Oh, do you yeah. get that a lot? What are you? And I'm like, I'm hungry. <laughs> I want tacos. I want food. <laughs> but what do you mean? Right. What do you mean? Really? And I feel like I'm playing that Justin Bieber song in my head. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I fucking hate stuck that in my head for I hate that little shit. Thank you for bringing Bieber up. <laughs> I hate that little shit. I don't even know why I brought him up. But like, that's the song that plays in my head. What do you mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, seriously, like, what do you mean? I know what you mean, but I want to hear you right. say it. Does anybody actually come out and say it? Or do they do the, the polite backpedal? Uh, the backpedal. Yes. The backpedal. Yeah, that's what I get when I, cause I, you know, I, I, I'm a, a, ethnically ambiguous. I get it. Like, yeah. I'm not white enough to be white, <laughs> but I'm not brown enough to really be identifiable either. So right. Like, so that's they're like, what are you, a woman? Yeah. Like, where are we going with this? I'm <laughs> right. not sure. <laughs> right, but like, uh, if you want more answers, you need to pay up. <laughs> I need you to ask a specific question. Cause... Right. Or just be like, I'll answer for $5. Right? Pay me. Pay me, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're that interested, I'll know how interested you are. Right? I'm going to rob you blind. <laughs> so, it's interesting. I always get, because I always make people guess before I answer now, because I find it entertaining. Um, so, I find it almost always co- comes down to their own biases. Right. So, it they'll either guess something that they're very fixated on or fascinated by. Yeah. Or something they really hate. So, like, in Oklahoma, <laughs> I get Hispanic a lot. Yeah. So, I get I get to hear a lot of the Mexican hate. It's it's almost always Mexican. Yeah. They, I'm like, you really say Hispanics more. But, no, it's always because so many people here don't like Mexican people. Right. So, I'll hear that a lot. Or all sorts of bizarre things. Like, I love this. You know, I used to watch this what movie about whatever culture when I was a kid. And I loved it. And I just thought you might be one of those. And, like one of those yeah right (laughs) yes i'm one of those yeah (laughs) or you know so talk to me about fetishism oh god (laughs) you get that it's a lot oh my god that that's lurking at the back of my mind with every interaction i'm like what is it because you're just waiting for that one moment to for that person to reveal themselves right and that's usually the positive thing is what it really comes down to is right. their fetishism their, yeah their quote positive stereotypes <laughs> which is what i usually call the sliding scale racist because right the, the i'm not racist but yeah <laughs> or, <laughs> like, you know they're not going to commit to it all the way right kind of somewhere in the middle <laughs> oh my god <laughs> which i actually find more uh, disturbing right you know when the, the whole thing about the confederate flag and you know there was the arguments on whether or not it should be um, banned from sales and stuff I'm like no sell that shit I want that bumper sticker on your truck I love that warning label so I, stay the fuck away from you you exactly no for real I, I treat them I, that's exactly what I do I treat them like warning labels yes absolutely I mean like and in the back of my mind and this is the reason I haven't dated um, anyway is because I know in the back of my mind whoever it is they're going to have this weird fetish thing about. Right. That's. Do you get the, I love Indian girls? <gasps> oh, I love Indian women. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you ever ask them why? I'm going to start. I want to know their answers. <laughs> like, because there's got to be some sort of strange 
fetishized image in their head, right? Oh yeah, the whole, the whole thing. <laughs> oh, what are we gonna do? What are when are we gonna do moves from the Kama Sutra? Like, the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, hello, my name is. Can I know what your name is? Right? From the Kama Sutra. As if most of them could keep up anyway. Right? I have this idea that really upsets people because Bible Belt. But I fundamentally believe that purity culture is an underpinning of rape culture. Yes. And we cannot change rape culture until we eliminate purity culture. Yes. And this upsets. <laughs> this upsets the evangelical. Well, yeah. everything that runs Oklahoma. But I, I truly believe this. Okay, I thought I was the only one who had that same thought because no. I was, yeah, no. There's those two are like fundamentally like tied into each other. Yes, because it's all about uh, women as mm-hmm. property, right? Power and control. And that's how you exactly. That's how you control women. Purity culture is about having that power and control. Right. And that's one of the things you condition women to. I mean. Right. You think women would go along with <laughs> this and put up with the stuff that we do if we weren't being taught this and conditioned this from very young? Right. It's normalized. Yeah. I mean, half the time we don't even realize Yeah. when we're being treated terribly. But yeah, if you don't see how those are connected, I'm not sure we can be friends because that's, to me, that's just, that's the light bulb. Like, if you don't see that those two are interlocking parts, then you're never going to get it. What do you think keeps people from seeing that? Their own experiences. Because, you know, they use that as the litmus test, right? Right. Their their experience is the litmus test, not anyone else. Like, not knowing that everyone has a very unique and different situation. And I think maybe the religious oh, yeah. coercion and shame comes in, too. Oh, the shame. Because purity culture is so oh, yeah. shame-driven and... And then there's also the problem of if you go against the church, you're damning your soul to hell. So there's the right. eternal threat happening, too. Right. So that people can't even let themselves consider thinking through it logically. Yeah. Do you stand by the statement that you don't believe in marriage? This is going to sound really shitty. But, <laughs> but, like, you know, I love going to other people's weddings, and I always get emotional, right? Like, And you cry. And I do, I do. I do cry. And it's almost like that... That's that very like hard ass cynic in me that's like, oh my god, is there really like I can't I can't fathom spending the rest of my life with one person. That just is not that doesn't appeal to me. Okay. Um, but I see how other people have that connection mm-hmm. and it like makes me wonder, A, what the fuck is wrong with me? But B <laughs> nothing's wrong with you. Uh that oh my gosh, they really trust the idea that they're meant they're like meant for each other. Yeah, they trust the idea. They trust the, the idea. idea. It, I think that's what gets me is that the idea that they that they put so much trust in, and I'm just like, I just can't. Even ever... though they know, even though they have to know it's not realistic, because 98 right. percent of people who are quote monogamous are not actually monogamous. monogamous. Right. They're just pretending and lying to each other. Right. I've been enough. I've been a side girl enough to know that. <laughs> right. But like, I know that. But it, <laughs> the idea of putting that much trust and and like putting that much stock in one person, not only does that terrify me, but that just is not, it, does, it doesn't appeal to me. It actually terrifies me. Really? Yeah. See, I don't have a problem being with one person long-term. Yeah. That doesn't bother me. Of course, I was married, I was with him for 13 years, so yeah. that doesn't bother me, but I'm not going to get legally married. 
Yeah, no. Because my shit is mine. Right. It's going to my kids. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yours. You earn your own shit. Right. And then it can go to your family. Or if you have kids, then go to bed. Right. I won't take your stuff. You leave mine alone. Oh, hell no. There's no way in hell I'm getting married ever. Like, ever, ever, ever. But, like, I love the idea, like, that that for that for a moment, for a moment in time, mm-hmm. I have this almost same belief that these two have really, their whole purpose was to find each other. That's very sweet. It is, you know, but they then make it dies. Medication dive. to help. <laughs> yeah. Illusion, right? Right. And and then I like, and then I, I, you know, I think what I'll do is I'll think about the months later on after the after the wedding. I'll be like, I wonder how they're doing. You know, I think about it because you know I'm like, I wonder if uh, things are still. As someone who officiates weddings, <laughs> I can tell you most of the time they're not even that happy the day of. They just look it. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I'm the one back there talking to them. And seriously, I've had grooms ask about the divorce process before they walk down the aisle. Oh my god. Yes, I'm like you know, <laughs> if you're considering that, you should probably just not send that license in. Right. <laughs> that would be my advice to you. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So it's all a big show. I do like it's like when, Facebook. You know how people yeah. put their all the happy stuff on there and they leave everything else out. The yeah. wedding's the exact same. It's all pretense. <laughs> How's that, that to crush you? No, I like that because it brings me back to reality. <laughs> the reality of it all. All right, we're gonna have to wrap this up, but I mean we've covered a lot of ground. Um, is there anything else? that you want to say that you think the masses need to know about. Attention, this is a PSA. You guys cannot find the G-spot for shit. Please read some literature, Google map it if you must, but do something because we're finishing ourselves off. (laughs) Oh, that's great. I feel like we should put up a a die circle it right here and here's some tips on what to do with it yes what are some tips you guys won't find it um so when you do just if you happen to find it by dumb luck we are going to tell you what you need to do go ahead tell them what they need to do i was gonna go after you but go ahead i want to hear what you got to say this is great i'm loving this uh i am i am a i enjoy different rhythms so i like a little bit of fast a little bit of slow, a little bit of in between, and then just going, you know, back and forth between those different yes. speeds. The worst is when they've got you almost there and they have to stop because they've got no control. <laughs> <laughs> so I suggest you get her almost there before you start that. Right. Because <laughs> that's the worst because then you got to start over. Yeah. Yeah, because you done stopped and had to get yourself together, which takes at least 30 seconds. Right. So for y'all to pull it back, and then we're like, really? Learn some self-fucking-control, man. <laughs> like, we, some people do Kegels. I, you know, if that's, if that's your shtick, then good for you. But, like, if we're required to do that shit, you guys have <laughs> yes, got to work that. on your delaying self-gratification. Is that an H thing? Because I've noticed guys in their 30s have more control than guys in their 20s. So maybe it's an experience. Yeah, I think maybe it is an experience thing. Yeah. Because guys in their 30s seem to have much better control. But then after they get too far into that, then they start losing stamina. So then it's what's the trade-off here? Yeah. No, and not only that, I feel like um, people who go too fast all the time, I'm just like, you're ruining it. I think they watch too much porn. Yeah. So it's like the hard drive all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, slow it down a little bit. Let's enjoy this. (laughs) 
And by let, and I say let, I mean let me enjoy this. Right. <laughs> I, and listen to your partner. Yes. Because there are certain positions that I cannot get off in. Yeah. They may be fun. That may be great. And I'll let you do that when it's time for you to finish. Right. But that ain't going to be the only thing we do. Right. Because if I have to finish this myself, there's no point in you being here. Right. So. Earn your fucking keep. <laughs> You can contact the podcast at BrokeBrokenPodcast at gmail.com. The Broken Broken Podcast can be found on Twitter at BrokeBrokenShow, on Instagram and Facebook at BrokeBrokenPodcast.